Hey, welcome to another edition, uh, playoff edition of uh, Joe and Fresh Talk Football. Uh, we're going to talk football for the next hour or so. Uh, welcome along for the ride. Wildcard weekend just wrapped up. National champion is hap- championship for college football is happening tonight. We're not watching it. This is a protest version. This is a protest edition of Joe and Fresh. Uh, I refuse to watch this football game. Uh, I have zero interest in what is going down tonight. And basically, whenever I watch a national championship game, I am interested to see if somebody out there, an underdog, is going to take down the SEC. Obviously, that's not going to happen with Alabama and LSU, both in the same conference. Whatever happens, the SEC wins, and ESPN and CBS and Mike Slive are all patting each other on the back, telling each other how great they are. So let let this uh, be a victory lap for them. I don't want to watch it from that principle. I'd like to see somebody else win a darn national title, but uh, we're not there. And I dream of the day. So uh, I'm not watching on that standpoint. If you um, are listening to this, then the game's already over, but we can talk about it now because it makes absolutely no difference who wins to 95% of the country. Um, No, none. Almost all fans... I know I have the same relationship to both of these teams in which they're kind of these, you know, just SEC teams down there, uh, um, you know, top-level programs, of course, but it just doesn't make any difference. It doesn't say anything about college football. There's no larger narrative to this. Well, look, I I have no beef with the SEC, and I I have no beef technically with the fact that the SEC is playing two of their top teams in a national championship. I have no problem. I am a BCS defender, as you know. We have talked about this. Um, and so I think the BCS typically gets it right for the, who plays for the national championship. And I think they got it right this year. Absolutely. The two best teams are playing tonight. That doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean I got to watch. Because quite frankly, the SEC, look, I'll give you your props, Southeastern Conference. You are the best. I will kiss your ring. You deserve all the praise that you've been getting. And I'm so much so I'm almost tempted to say go and form your own league now because go ahead and be in a class by yourself and you can just um, enjoy it. So, But even though you are the best, that doesn't mean you're exactly enjoyable. You are unwatchable. As a product on the field. Trust me, I've watched a lot of SEC football because I get it piped into my living room on a weekly basis here in Ohio. I gotta watch crap like Vandy, Florida. I gotta watch South Carolina versus Tennessee. (laughs) The garbage that is on my screen is just unfathomable. I uh, we have a friend who's a Tennessee fan here in Columbus and I'm amazed every week. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm watching the game. And it's on, like, every week. Tennessee football. It's on here on broadcast <laughs> local TV. It's I don't even have to go to ESPN for it or a certain network. It's here. And I'm just thinking, you know what? There's a Big Ten game going on right now that I'd much rather watch. Um, but, look, uh, this game tonight, We the big story is, well, why... Why do we want to watch this? Why should these two teams play? Because they've already played each other. We had an outcome. It's already been decided. And, and so we don't want to see it. 
I don't care so much from that standpoint, Joe. But what I have, where I have my beef was that first game was just unwatchable, absolute <laughs> horrible product. My father-in-law the next day he said to me, "He's like, you watch that game? That was a pretty good game." I said, "Just because it was a close game and it went into overtime, does not." mean that it was a good game. That was a horrible game. <laughs> horrible offenses across the board in the SEC. I can't think of one offense that I respect. <laughs> I can't think of a single quarterback worth anything in that conference. And that game was no exception. 9-6, to six, I believe the final score was. In overtime, zero touchdowns. And Alabama would have won that football game if they have a kicker who's better than a Pop Warner kicker. You right. know, he, they had no kicking game. He missed four field goals that night. Well, four. then, your kicker's all that matters in a game like that, <laughs> which is great. Football. And not only on the field, but I'm, I, I think off the field, or I guess the you know beyond-the-field sort of storylines are non-existent. There's nothing to it. And at least, and I, I agree with you. That's fine. Whoever wins, they're the national champion. I mean, I'm not, I don't, you know, I'm not against that. But it's like, but it's just, who cares? <laughs> you have no desire to watch it. No, and uh, I'll, I'll go. I just let me go a little bit on this again. I'm just thinking. Okay, defensively, SEC are very good. You're excellent. Yeah, playing against LSU or Bama is probably the closest thing to an NFL defense that teams are going to face. And so I'm going to give them all the props in the world, but again, with the offenses, let me just talk quarterbacks for a second. There's not a single quarterback in there that, that I I would take for my team. Like, I, like, I wish they played for the Buckeyes. I will look across at other conferences. Let's look at the Big Ten. Okay, who are my... Who are my quarterbacks there? And how many quarterbacks would I take from the Big Ten Conference that I would take before I would even take the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference? All right. List them. All right. I will take Russell Wilson from Wisconsin. Okay. Before I take the best quarterback in the SEC. Which, who, would, who's, who are you calling the best quarterback in the SEC? Uh, God, they're all bad. They're, they really are all bad. I... Went to WalterFootball.com, good website, because uh, I'm, I'm a draft junkie. And that's a, probably one of the best websites that I've seen where you can get uh, practically an exhaustive amount of information regarding the upcoming drafts. They'll go not only into this upcoming 2012 draft, they even have a mock first round draft for 2013. And the guy that they had before the before I don't know if that's a compliment before Matt Barkley uh, said that he's staying for a senior season. The number one overall pick was Tyler Bray from Wisconsin, not Wisconsin, from Tennessee. So Brandon would be happy to, to, to see that. I've watched Tyler Bray, and uh, I felt like boy, no. Just no way, no way is that is that uh, going to fly with me. Um, so no, if that's really what the best that the SEC has, I think Aaron Murray is the one from Georgia. He stinks too, and so I will take Russell Wilson from Wisconsin. 
I will gladly take Kirk Cousins from Michigan State. I will gladly take Denard Robinson from Michigan. I will probably take Nathan Shieldhouse from Illinois. And I will probably take James Vandenberg from Iowa even. <laughs> That's five quarterbacks I will take from the slow Big Ten Conference before I will take anybody from those sweet tea drinkers. Okay? So... You know, SEC fan, you wanna you wanna boast and you wanna beat your chest and say how you're the best. You know what? You are the best, but you are not good to watch. That is a horrible product, and it's probably gonna be a horrible product tonight. I want that game to be the lowest rated national championship game since the inception of, of the BCS. Well, there's no buzz. I mean, there's zero buzz. So there's it, buzz it's... from the, the channels that, from their <laughs> PR machines, uh, but. Yeah, you know, I was. You listen to Colin Cowherd too, you know, and I like Colin, but uh, he sometimes goes on these rants that the, the talent coming out of the SEC is better than any other conference, or that they put out more talent into the NFL draft than anybody. More more talent is drafted from the SEC than any other conference. Well, I, that might be, but what kind of quality of talent they turn out to be? Can you let, let's go down positions? And I'll ask you. Quarterbacks, maybe the top three. I have no idea for any of those. Oh, or what are you talking From the, about? You don't know the top three quarterbacks in the NFL? Oh, in the NFL. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's go. Aaron Rodgers. Pac-12. Tom Brady. Big, Big Ten. Ten. And uh, Drew Brees. Big Ten as well. I mean, if you if you went Manning, obviously you're SEC. There's SEC. Of course, that was you know 16 years. And ago then we got Stafford, and he's <laughs> SEC as well. Eli is SEC. Yeah. So that's fine, but. Do we have an overwhelming uh, result there where I just say, wow, the talent from the SEC is just so superior? No. <laughs> Let's look at wide receiver. Let's look at Calvin Johnson, Georgia Tech. You know, you got Roddy White, UAB, Greg Jennings, Western Michigan. You got Larry Fitzgerald from Pitt. <laughs> uh, who else am I? Who else am I missing? Uh, uh, well, Mike Wallace. Well, Mike Wallace, he's old Miss. Your point's well taken, although let's not dwell on that too long. All right, that's I fine. Think I, that, I've ranted uh, on long enough about this. <laughs> the, uh, but we're, long story short, folks, uh, we're not watching the, the national championship game. We'll see the stats later on, and, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll catch the, the box score. Yeah. <laughs> um, because there's a lot more interesting stuff going on in the NFL this week, last week, and this week. This week we got the final eight plan. Um, I probably need to start and get out of the way this Steeler Broncos game. Uh, as a Steeler fan, it was um, I don't know. Actually, my response last night was not the normal playoff loss response. I think I. Which is what? What's your normal playoff loss? Well, response? you're just in a bad mood. You know, you have a dark cloud over you. But this is more. It was just so bizarre that uh, I kind of had to laugh a little bit, I guess. Um, obviously, the Steelers uh, played very poorly. Um, Big Ben actually hasn't played well in, you know, over a month. Um, Not he, a good year. Ever since, uh, right, I mean, he had some bad games early, then he started to get better, and then the uh, since the injury has been terrible, it really, to me, goes back to that 49ers game, and he that game he was really really bad um and it, it's hard to say why he was even in there and that's only one of many 
uh, coaching blunders from uh, this past um, weekend, especially on defense. They uh, left those guys on islands uh, in the defensive backs, and uh, I, I don't. I guess I don't know what they expect. And I don't. I don't know why they well, didn't you, adjust. You you weren't threatened by Tim Tebow's arm, and uh, quite frankly, I personally I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with that initial strategy to stack the box, stop the run, um, and make Tim Tebow beat you with his arm. Initially, I have no problem with that, with that strategy. The problem for me, and this is where the coaching element comes into play, is that it wasn't working. And that, that coaching staff did not make the adjustment to say, okay, you know what, beat us with beat us with the run then because Demarius Thomas is a lot better of a receiver than a lot of people have given him credit for and he just was torching Ike Taylor uh, all after, all afternoon and evening. Yeah and you know that uh, the injuries thing there's always that team each year that you know they're they're the injured you know the super injured team you can't even believe they're winning games and that was that was the Steelers for a lot of this year but a lot of it um at least on defense, didn't shouldn't have had that much of an effect. Uh, Casey Hampton uh, is really old and and uh, really not that that good anymore. And so I don't, you know, them um, not getting a pass rush or anything really has nothing to do with him anyway. But even if he's he's injured, that doesn't matter. Um, Ryan Clark, the free safety, couldn't play because of his sickle cell trait in the in the high altitude and. He's always been my least favorite player on defense, uh, and I've seen him get burned um, many times, just like Ryan Mundy did last night. And Ryan Mundy forced oh. at least forced a fumble. So, I, so I, I, I'm not sure where that team's headed. I think they'll continue to be statistically, uh, you know, a top ten defense in mm. the foreseeable future, but. I don't know if they're really going to be this playmakers. The turnovers were so far down this year. Um, I, I have to hope that there is some element maybe of luck in turnovers where for out, as outrageously low as they were, that's got to come back to uh, the mean a little bit. Well, I, I tell you what, and I'll, I'll lump this into the larger sum of what we're going to be talking about down the road, but to me, today, there should have been two organizations uh, that woke up and... Uh, sequestered themselves to do some pretty long hard self-introspection and to determine where they are now and where they want to go and I think that there's going to be need to be some pretty drastic moves to be made and one of those teams are your Steelers that loss was embarrassing to lose to that quarterback and to get passed on like that when you had previous games before him, think of the teams that were Buffalo kicked his butt, his behind, to the point where people were starting to say, okay, maybe that this magic is over. Maybe this was just a hype machine. But Pittsburgh went out and embarrassed themselves to the point where now he looks like the savior of that franchise. And he's going to be the starting quarterback again next year, unequivocally, undoubtedly. Oh yeah, no, yeah, they're all in with him now, uh, and and not to say that he can't improve either, and that he's not having incremental improvements in his. Ability. But in, improvement to what? I mean, where's the ceiling? 
I mean, the ceiling is just so low for, for him as a quarterback that even if he improves to the amount that he can improve to at the max, he's still not good enough, in my opinion. I, I, I just don't think so. Your Steelers, I think, are at a crossroads where they got to decide what they're going to do from here on out. Your defense is old. And I've said this for the last couple of years. I think I've talked to you about it at length. Your team has gotten away with gaping holes, with huge problem areas for the last several years. And they've miraculously have been able to be highly competitive even when a Super Bowl with things like bad offensive line play, with questionable corners, with an aging defense, and and an inconsistent running game. And so now all the and I've said I'm waiting for the ice to break underneath your feet. Yesterday you fell through the water. And you can no longer get away with bad left tackles with with band-aid left tackles you can't get away with average on a good day average cornerbacks and you can't be relying on the past reputation of what this defense once was I'm sorry I agree with Warren Sapp they're old they're slow and it's over time to seriously revamp that defense well in uh as far as the O-line, the problem there is, in 2008, they had maybe one of the bottom five offensive lines in the entire league, and they won the Super Bowl. Right. So It's a freak occurrence. Well, and, and you can't, I mean, you know, obviously, I, you know, I would never take that back, but um, it has slowed, you know, it, it, there hasn't been any urgency uh, with that now mm. since then. I mean, they did have a first-round pick. Uh, you know, on on uh, with uh, Marquise Pouncey, but you know he although he's That's a not, center, right? Know? And and he's not. I, I don't necessarily think he's as elite as he looked as a rookie right away. He's a little small, and he can he can get run over a little bit by the B.J. Rajis and uh, Nagatas. Although I know he's not always playing nose tackle anymore. Um, the defense. I mean, I I you know. I, I see what you're saying, and I agree with you to a point, but it's not, I mean, they'll be back. They're going to keep coming back. It just, it's just going to be tough to win playoff games, uh, which is <laughs> definitely the standard for the Steelers. But it's, right. not, but it's not like they're not, they're not going to become, uh, they're still going to be a good regular season team. Um, I mean, and part of the reason is that there's plenty of other but, teams to beat around in the AFC. But look what happened, though. You got your rear ends kicked by your rival, the, the, the Ravens, both times. You, well, the second game was a lot closer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that could have gone either way. Okay, but you still lost. You barely, uh, you, you, you kicked the butts of the, the Bengals. Okay, the Bengals are frauds. And I, we can get into this later, maybe, if we have time. I, I think the Bengals were fraudulent. I, and then you, you got to consider the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, in my opinion, were actually the ones that were the first real roadblock for you to have any kind of success later on in the playoffs because that defense smacked Big Ben around and yeah. bo both times that they played. And they were the ones that originally gave him that, uh, that high ankle sprain. And that's, uh, in my opinion, that's, that's the one thing that uh, really did 
that team in. Uh, but you know, you barely won against, in my opinion, the Cleveland Browns, one of the worst, the worst team in the history of the NFL since the merger. <laughs> you you barely won against Seneca Wallace and Pat Shermer. Oh sure, not so, to mention the uh, Chiefs as well and uh, some other poor teams. <laughs> So, I mean, how competitive then are you going to be? If the Browns go out and get themselves a quarterback in this year's draft, like I think they will, you know. Well, I think we can always count on the Browns to be. Well, there you go. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think it's a lot more than just saying, well, you know, let's. There's still a good regular season. Remember what their schedule was NFC West. Uh, and AFC yes, South without Peyton Manning, you benefited from a great schedule. Oh, same no thing. Doubt. Same thing with the Bengals. You, know, you benefited from an easy schedule. That's why you got a nine and seven regular season record and backed into the playoffs. You, you, you beat up on all the weak teams, and, and trust me, there were a lot of weak teams. There were nine of them for you. Um, so, I personally, I think that it, it's really some time to, uh, for them to focus on how they're going to revamp that especially that defense um i think you have talent that's there that you, possibly you can move that you that's on the I, i'd really consider some big names for the trading block to get some so, some draft picks and to replenish and get some youth on that team and if i have any faith in any organization to being able to do that and to evaluate and draft talent it's the pittsburgh steelers well, they're not they're not trading these guys though. I mean, they the Steelers move very slowly as an organization, and uh, it's you know I mean generally it's to their great uh, advantage that they do, and they don't panic. And I'm not panicking either. That the reality is they're going to keep uh, drafting and um, drafting what they need. But other than that, keeping these guys. Uh, James Harrison's not going anywhere, even though he is... He'd be the first on my trading uh, block. Right. Well, yeah, because he's still at the top, but he can drop off cliff at any moment. I mean, how old is he? He's got to be about 32, and he's, you know, a, he's a lower mileage guy, because so, he wasn't starting until he was 27, 28. Well, there's that. Uh, well, uh, th that, that's fair, and... You know, that, that's I think that's enough for for them. And so they're the, they're, they're the first team that I'm thinking of. The second team are, is the Atlanta Falcons, who also lost in their own way very embarrassingly. Here's a team that a lot of people have a high regard for every year um, with their quarterback Matt Ryan, with the talent that they have, Michael Turner, who has led the league in carries for the last God knows how many years, three years or so. He's getting up there in age. They got Roddy White is getting up there in age. Tony Gonzalez, who is on the brink of retirement. Uh, they they went all in to draft Julio Jones because they said, hey, we believe we're only a couple of pieces away from being a, uh, for us going over the cliff and breaking that um, breaking that barrier into true greatness. And so they give up. Um, second round pick for last year and now they have no first round pick by trading up with Cleveland uh, to draft Julio Jones the wide receiver out of Alabama with the, with the number six overall pick and then they got uh, Ray Edwards uh, in free agency from Minnesota Vikings a defensive end paying a lot of money for him and so now here you are 
you're probably worse than you've ever been since the Matt Ryan era, and you have no first-round draft pick this year. I what think, are you going to do? I think that is, I mean, because if you look at the Steelers, the Steelers are, you know, they're, they're not necessarily like a tear-down, rebuild team. They're constantly kind of have some problems, and they're kind of painting over those. And and the, the Falcons, on the other hand, you kind of alluded to it, like this is, this is almost like their pinnacle, what they have this year. You know, they did these special trades, and they kind of have the pieces where it almost... You know, it's like you would think before the season this would be their ceiling, you know, where they can reach their potential this year. Right. And so that's really a case where it's like, well... It's their window. it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And if it doesn't work, then there's going to be repercussions if it doesn't work. You had a window. And I can can respect this on a strategical level where, okay, again, like I said, you got some really good players on your team. Turner, Gonzalez, White... But um, those guys are, are, are on the brink of retirement. Their productivity is not going to be there for much longer. I mean, White himself led the league in drops, and Turner just kind of seemed to hit and run out of gas towards the end of, this, of the year. So they wanted to strike all the irons hot, and hopefully adding Julio Jones in as the number one receiver now and adding Ray Edwards to, to have you know, kind of to balance out um, – what John Abraham, mm-hmm. their their defensive end. Uh, the uh, I I saw it didn't work. I um, was reading that the Falcons. This was before the game last week. Uh, the Falcons this season were the most consistent team statistically of the past twenty years. Oh. Um, that and that's not just like yards per game or something. That's it. That's from FootballOutsiders.com, which is extremely advanced metrics that are measuring, you know, their quality of performance on a play-by-play basis. Um, and as long as they've been recording these stats since like 1990, the, the Falcons are the most consistent week-to-week team ever. Since 1990. Yeah. And so, and that, you know, that doesn't mean that they're a great team. It just means they are the same every week. And so that's kind of the ultimate case of you are what they are, what they are. You know. And, it, and it's like, okay, so this is what they can accomplish. They can get a wild card, um, or maybe, you know, if all the all Last the other year they were the number one here, seed right, in the or, NFC. Or if the Saints are down, they can win a division, but they have shortcomings and they, have, they can't overcome them. They're just the same every week. They just are who they are. They can't, they can't perform better than, I, I don't know, sometimes they're just teams like Denver, who can perform better than what they are, really. Um, or maybe Baltimore mm-hmm. is a team that offensively can perform better than you would expect given the parts that they've got. Right. And Atlanta just doesn't seem to be able to do that. They, And so what do you do? Do you just say, well, it's better than I mean, we could be – we could be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and have a winning season every 10 years. Right. And, and we can enjoy where we are, and we, you can and our fans can come out and see a pretty good product, on a like you said, on a consistent basis. Or you can go the route and say, you know what? The goal should always be to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't feel like you have the pieces in place to be able to accomplish that goal, then you need to, recon- you need to consider 
you know, maybe blowing the thing up a little bit. You know, right. is Mike William is Mike Smith your guy? Is Thomas Dimitrov your guy? Thomas Dimitrov, with that big Julio Jones trade, he set you back a couple years. Mm-hmm. I think the window's gone now. You don't have a first round draft pick to help you get over the edge next year. Yeah, I well and I mean different owners are gonna look at that different ways and I and I don't know what uh Arthur Blank thinks of that exactly. Um I mean, obviously he would come out and say we want to win the Super Bowl, but, you know, who knows from organization to organization kind of what they see with it, that. It's interesting, but keep an eye on them over the next year, a couple of years, and, and uh, I think if you see another uh, season like what we saw this year, you're going to see changes, if not some changes already. I think I think you're going to see possibly some supporting coaches on that staff um, receive their walking papers. The uh, Giants, for their um, for their prize for winning that game, are now facing fifteen and one Green Bay. Uh, but it's people are getting excited about this game because oh, yeah. that defensive line is heating up, Whew. and Eli has kind of gotten. I I know as a f- Eli fantasy owner had kind of got more consistent throughout the year. Well, of course, receivers re- started catching the football too. That helps. Of course, that's not counting. Uh, course the uh, fantasy football semifinals when he totally laid an egg for me but yeah other than that no one's bitter uh, about that he's been pretty solid so um, that is uh, one of the more exciting ma- I, I, I would say it'd be the game I'm most excited to watch this weekend and uh, let me tell you as a Saints fan several weeks um, say a month ago who would be the team that I am the most nervous about playing. And we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Well, things have changed since then. I believe their offensive line is suffering some losses at the tackle positions, on both tackle positions. Offensive line is a bit weak. Can't run the football. They're a one-dimensional offense. And their defense is... uh, Boy, what happened? There's no pass rush anymore. Did Clay Matthews ease off the juice and you know, can't? Is he is he like Steve Lattimore, in uh, in the program? And once he quits the juice, he can't play anymore. He can't he can't be physical. He can't get a, get a sack. So uh, I gotta tell you, right now, more than anything, the team that scares me is the New York Giants. And they, that and that's not to say they couldn't go out and embarrass themselves. Well, they have that ability, don't they? <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you watch that Atlanta game, and they do have that ability to hit the accelerator at a time that's convenient for them. They can also choose to take their foot off the pedal uh, at inappropriate times, uh, too. But you, you, my mind is going back to that, what, 2007 season where they just went on a rampage on, on the sure. road and, and just kicked everybody's butt. Um, well, and the, the reality is Eli's a lot better than he was at that time. <laughs> I mean, he was definitely more of a middle-tier quarterback, where now he's, you know, unquestionably... Top five, top six? At least top six, I'd say. Maybe, you know, maybe With Phil Rivers laying six. an egg this season? Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, there have been some bad, bad quarterbacks. Who, who even was the uh, third quarterback in the AFC they ended up picking? Because... Uh, um, Big Ben made it, even though he had. What do you mean taken? 
the the third just a, uh, I'm sorry, third AFC Pro Bowl quarterback. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> well, I it's just you, you know, follow the Pro Bowl. Obviously, you know the the picks. A lot of them are pretty bogus, but that's just interesting because who would you even take? Well, I mean, you think Brady, obviously, and yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. Who after that? Who would you take? <laughs> right. I mean, I Roethlisberger, even Flacco. Schaub, who was playing well until he got injured again, and uh, Brady, uh, 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 Brady uh, Manning is Tebow. I mean, it, it, they they picked Philip Rivers, so just... Philip Rivers. I mean, uh, here are the stats: 4,624 4, yards, twenty-seven touchdowns, and twenty picks. Quarterback rating of eighty-eight point seven. Is that the? And he had three of his best games to. Towards you know those last three games. Well, it didn't mean yeah. anything, right? Right. So yeah, I mean that's after the selection, too. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I don't even know why we're talking about that. But. Well, yeah, because <laughs> you brought it up, so it's not my fault. Um, so we're talking about the Giants. Yeah, the Giants scare me. Right. Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, trying to block that guy is like trying to block you know Shiva or something. You got four arms coming at you and. That guy's just a monster, a beast, and that front four is playing about as as well as any front four that are left in the playoffs. With the, maybe the, you know the exception of you know, fronts of like San Francisco and uh, Baltimore. Maybe I think they're even better than Baltimore right now. Yeah, but I think I mean the the scariest team I think is definitely the Saints right now. Who that? Uh, I know that they uh, you know it was close for a while. Uh, for quite a while, I mean, more a lot more than if you just looked at the final score last week. But that—that uh, uh, that is the team that I feel like if if they're there, uh, February whatever on Super Bowl Sunday, that the AFC team may as well not even show up. I mean, oh, I I I, I feel pretty confident. I don't care who wins the NFC, just send them the Lombardi Trophy because there isn't a single team in the AFC that can compete with any of the teams that are left. Not one. Seriously, pick, I'll, I'll even go ahead and pick San Francisco. I think San Francisco can win on the old-fashioned formula of dominant defense, of mistake-free offense, and you know the the, the special teams with Ted Ginn Jr. returning kicks. And I think they can do it. I think they can beat any team, uh, even the Patriots in the AFC. Uh, sure, yeah, they could be any team in the AFC, but I don't think they have a chance against the Saints personally. They have a chance. They, they, <laughs> that is a home game that's in the open. That's in the open, San Francisco air. Uh, I am a little nervous about that game. I'd say I'm about a four and a half to a five, ner- on a nervous scale. Um, but I do feel as, about as confident as ever that the Saints, just being able to have a balanced attack, Drew Brees can throw the ball. Everybody knows that. They, all the receivers they got. The Reverend Jimmy Graham has come out to be an absolute stud, uh, the, the second best tight end in the league today. And not only that, but they can run the football like no one's business, too. I mean, they got a stable of backs that can produce. Unfortunately, Mark Ingram, the rookie, uh, that they gave up a lot to trade up for. They have no first round pick next year. But um, he, I believe, is, is I think he might be out for the rest of the year. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of been a bust uh, this year. But Pierre Thomas is running well. I watched that game uh, against Detroit. 
and Detroit could just not bring oh, yeah, him down. Yeah, over some guys. Oh, my gosh. Was, he, he, in my opinion, is just the most underrated pass-catching running back in the National Football League today. I, I've, I've thought that since they won the Super Bowl. He was just such a deadly weapon when he gets in the open field. Just a nightmare to tackle. And then you got Darren Sproles, who is the player that Reggie Bush was meant to be. And, again, and running cheaper. the football and cheaper, <laughs> running the football, catching the ball. Chris Ivory has done a pretty good job also in, in, in filling in. So I like that because you know they're going to have to go on the road uh, to New York or, or, or to, probably not New York, but to Green Bay, to Lambeau, playing the open air, the cold, where a lot of people are nervous about quarterbacks in the passing game. Well, I like the team that can run the football, and that's a big reason why I like the Saints in that matchup, and I'm rooting for Green Bay from here on out in, until they meet up. Oh, yeah, I, I, I would take the Saints in in whatever game right now. And I, you know, I really, I in my opinion, when it comes to the playoffs, and I guess this is as a Steeler fan growing up in the '90s, the defense and running game and the underwhelming quarterback just doesn't work in the end. It wins you a lot of regular season games, and it gets you a lot of bye weeks and a lot of division championships. But it takes an elite quarterback um, to beat an elite quarterback in the in the end. And it's the uh, and I think that's even more true than ever this year. We had four of the top six passing yardage. Um, performances of all time this season and that is not uh you know we talk about oh it's a passing game but we've been saying that for years hmm. and but it's only this year well that four of the top six um suddenly everybody has beaten everybody except for right. except for uh Mar- um marino in 1984 and and it's not just Brady and Breeze, but we're seeing Matt Stafford and Eli Manning uh, also hitting those yardage marks. I don't know. Come out of nowhere. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I would kind of see that as a straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing with the uh, continued uh, rules about hitting quarterbacks and the, as they continue to crack down on that, that, uh, you know, a guy like Brady, that used to be his only weakness. That was the only way you could beat them is just by hitting them, um, and that's how they beat them in the in the uh, the Super Bowl against the Giants. That's the few times he's been beaten in the past. That that was your only weapon, and uh, when that's taken away, I I guess I kind of see that as we always say, oh, you know, they always change the rule to help offenses, and we always say, oh, you know, well, points are going to go like crazy now, and the passing game is going to go crazy now, but defenses adjust. But I don't know. I think maybe there's been a permanent, a true permanent change. Um, and not from some huge rule change, but just this incrementally changing hands on receivers and and uh, how they're hitting the quarterback. Now it's finally kind of hit that tipping point where if you have an elite enough quarterback, they can just figure out, they can solve the puzzle, basically. And once they've solved that puzzle then they can throw for 350 yards or 400 yards, 450, 500 yards, whenever they need to. I, I, I would be more prone to buy that if I didn't see, if there were surprises at the top of our list. 
Okay, I would would buy it if I saw guys like Joe Flacco, or see guys like Mark Sanchez, or see guys like rookies who are also putting up just insane numbers. Well, hey, Cam Newton. Uh, no. <laughs> um, that's another topic. I'm not going to take that bait. Uh, but, you know, the guys that we see at the top of the list really aren't a big surprise. Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Eli Manning should be really no surprise. Eli Manning passed for a lot of yards last year. Matt Stafford, even. I've been saying the last year or so, Matt Stafford, if he can stay healthy, is has the potential, talent-wise, to be elite. And guess what happened? He stayed relatively healthy, and he had a killer year. Look what happens. I mean, so I, I'm not really surprised by who we're seeing. Um, well, okay, but I, it, and it's not to say that it's easy, but I think it's like it's like a solvable equation now. Whereas before, you could fight and scratch and watch film and work on skills and work on timing, and there was a counter move to you that defenses were taking. But now I'm seeing it as it's it's just unstoppable. If you have the right skill set and the right you know and and competent coaching, then then you can solve this and you can go out and throw for 4,800 wow. yards whenever you need to. And you know, and Aaron Rodgers he was you know way back there at 4,600 yards this year, fifth, because that's that's all they needed. They were they weren't in a lot of close games. Uh, especially earlier in the year, but these these guys, I, 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 and you just heard it every year. But now, but to have so many guys and uh, and Eli Manning, and Matthew Stafford, yeah, they're fine, but they're not Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers, and Peyton Manning, you know, up until this year. Well, and that's the argument. I mean, you, you brought up the point of it being gradual, and that's been my argument with Roger Goodell is. I, 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 uh, it's not. It's not a surprise. I've been saying all along that when he introduces a rule change with the physicality of play, and it passes, or or uh, when they're contemplating it, I cry out, "You give him this, that's not going to be the end of the story. If you allow this rule to be changed, and if this becomes illegal, you think it's going to stop?" No, he's going to take it another step beyond that next year and the year after that until somebody says, enough, <laughs> enough. We don't recognize the game anymore. You're, you're putting, you're putting the, uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you watch MMA, UFC. A, a, a maxim that they have there for fighters is you do not want to put the match the competition, the outcome, into the hands of the officials, into the hands of the judges. Decide the game for yourselves, the talent, okay? Knock the guy out or make him tap out. You don't want to put it in the hands of the officials. And what Roger Goodell has done is exactly that. He's taking big-time decisions and the outcomes of games possibly into the hands of these men who aren't playing on judgment calls. And so 
it has a huge effect on, on how and on how the game can be played. Now, I am a firm believer, though, too, that there's just some guys that need to learn how to how to extend their arms and try to wrap a guy up and not to try to launch with their head. Yeah, well, but um, I don't know. The results can be worse than you saw e even are saying because uh, if that James Harrison hit was in a regular season, it, it would be getting it would be more of the story right now that here's a guy who's saying hey you know I try to lower my head and they lower their head at the same time or something and I people these guys don't want to get hit in the knees they want to get hit in the head and so last night he just dropped to the ground and by the way I and the announcers were kind of getting on this well you don't want them to hit you they're saying the same thing you were let me just tell you right now because I don't put this past James Harrison for one second. He's a good football player. I don't think James Harrison is a good human being. I don't think he's a good guy. And I wouldn't put it past him for a second that he did that intentionally to make a point. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't second guess that. Not, I wouldn't say intentionally, but I would say he's not going to bow to Goodell and try to do you know it perfectly Goodell's way. He's going to say... He's going to kind of tell himself the narrative of, well, they just want to make it impossible to deliver a real hit. That's all that they're going to allow is something yeah, dangerous. And, so and he goes out and, and does that and demonstrates that. But, you know, I refuse to believe that because I look at other players who are dominant defensively, okay, and they don't have a problem, okay? Patrick Willis, do you think he's a pretty good defensive player? Patrick yeah, Willis is a beast, all right, but some of it is perception of James Harrison, and maybe you don't see that same highlight. Okay, now you're talking as a fan. Now, now you're talking. Now you're talking as Steeler fan, just like the other Steeler fans who come to the defense. Well, they're singling him out. Of course, they're singling him out because he's poked the bear in the cage so many times. He's called out the commissioner and poking fun at him and saying, oh, I'll be sure to, can you lay a pillow out for him before, as I tackle him? I don't want to get the rubber <laughs> pellets in their eye, uh, Mr. Goodell. What do you think is going to happen? You dope, you brought this on yourself. I don't feel sorry for you. Nobody, I don't see Patrick Willis doing that. I don't see, um, I don't see uh, God, my, uh, Terrell Suggs doing that. I don't see DeMarcus Ware doing that, or Jared Allen. Guys who are great defensive players who play at a high level and are physically, uh, are just physical players, they're not getting in trouble they, because they're not getting, they, have, they don't have the history, and they definitely don't run their mouths to their boss. Right, there's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a sum of, of different things. It's you know, it's definitely what he says and then drives perception. Like you said, like you said, you don't think he's a good person. Well, I don't know whether he is or not, but that's but he definitely appreciates that persona and he appreciates Oh sure he, he wants to be it. you know, that's part of his strategy as an NFL player is to be perceived that way, so it leads to a lot of that, as opposed to Jared Allen, who loves to do interviews and uh, makes jokes and is a Republican and all kinds of different things. And, like and he doesn't have an absolute things. scowl on his face every time there's <laughs> a picture taken of him. Right. Um, so, uh, 
I, I don't know. I the NFL is still to me, and I was worried about this before the beginning of the year. Is it, it, it whether or not it was going to be a watchable product as a result? Where you know, I want to see, I want to see greatness. I want to see it to be as difficult as possible as it used to be ten years ago to throw a touchdown pass or to throw for 300, 400 yards. Um, it, I don't know. My eye can't tell that. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, well, that's just too easy. Um, that, that, that's, that's, not how I, that's not how I'm perceiving it at all. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have complaints with the overall product. And I have no – I'm not a big stat guy anyway, and so I don't really – worry myself with okay is drew Brees as good as dan marino was uh or, or is dan marino as good as otto graham was back in his day i don't really care uh it's it's i'm not interested in the time capsule pissing contest all i care about is the teams that i see out here right now and i can appreciate to whatever extent what certain players and certain teams can and cannot do so that's that, that's my that's my stance on that issue. Well, I think that the tipping point has been reached. Uh, Breeze and Brady, and you know if Manning somehow comes back or, or whatnot, they're already in position to take advantage of it. And it's now it's just a matter of these other teams getting their stuff together to get to that same spot. And some guys aren't, aren't going to be able to do it. That's not the kind of player Ben Roethlisberger is. And that's something else that could leave Pittsburgh in the, in the dust a little bit because, you know, he's not going anywhere at least for the next three or four years. Uh, you know, the, there's certain guys who, who, who aren't the same skill set, but these guys, you know, if they can just get the right system together and get, I mean, it's not that you can have an average guy. You have to have a good quarterback, yeah, that'll, yeah, a great, but, a great but it can be too easy, I think, in those cases. And uh, we've definitely well, seen that from the Saints the past six if weeks. If it's or so. too easy, then everyone would do it. Then you know it's not easy to get a quarter, easy to get a, a, a great quarterback. At the end of the day, no matter what, the great quarterbacks are going to win. The teams with the great quarterback and with the great head coach, they're the ones who are making deep playoff runs every year. They're the ones who are true contenders. You know, regardless of what the rules are. Yeah, you know? the, yeah, sure. They are. Uh, that's always going to be the goal to get a good quarterback. But I, I think they're going to start to become unstoppable. That uh, that there's no counter. There's no counter to what they can do. Have we gotten? But have we gotten there yet? Are we there? I guess we'll see this next couple weeks. I mean, I don't uh, know, especially, I don't... especially with Breeze versus the Niners. I think I think he's gonna go crazy. I think he's gonna you think you know, so? score the same way he's been scoring. Well, he's got to start faster than he did on Saturday, um, Saturday night, because I, I was a bit worried going into the half there because he just was not playing. He did not have a good first half. He was he wasn't accurate and he was making uh, just some questionable decisions there. And it's funny how that kind of stuff is not even mentioned. You know, the next morning, right? It's it, I, right. It's how wonderfully how wonderful the performance was. Well, you know, I, I, as a fan, I can tell you, I, I was very very nervous, and I was you know had, had visions of losing to the Lions at, at that point. <laughs> uh, the the inconceivable that uh, the one team to, to to be the one that the Lions get a playoff victory against since what the nineteen fifties. Uh, or, or whenever it was they last won a playoff game, you know it was against my team, 
it wasn't bad enough that we lost to the Seattle Sea Chickens um, in the first game to a 7-9 and nine team. That was embarrassing, getting run on like that. Anyway, but um, I let me talk, unless you wanted to pursue anything else further. Go for it. Um, I, and it's kind of irrelevant because, look, uh, they're an irrelevant franchise, but I, I do have this strange passion for the Cleveland Browns because they were my team at one point. I grew up watching them. <laughs> Uh, and they're absolutely pathetic, but I want—I still have a desire for them to succeed. I want them to get the—I want them to get out of this this mire that they're in, and uh, to just uh, get it together, man. I, they're so bad. In my in my opinion, I mentioned it before. They are the worst franchise historically since the merger. And there's a multitude of reasons for that, why I say that. There's, a, there's all kinds of things and elements that you can say why a team is worse than another one. You know, record overall, playoff appearances, playoff wins, personnel, uh, decisions. But for, for the Browns, you're talking about a franchise that is bad for two reasons. It's not complicated. You haven't had a true starting caliber quarterback since Otto Graham retired in 1955. And you haven't had a long-term answer at head coach since Paul Brown was fired by Art Modell in, in the mid-60s. Hard acts to follow. Well, tough. <laughs> you, you think that Brett Favre was a hard act to follow? You think that Mike Holmgren was a hard act to follow as a coach? I mean, tough. Yeah, you, you do it. And you don't take almost 60 years to make that happen. <laughs> and Browns fans talk all the time, well, we haven't been good in the last, like, 15 years. Just 15? You haven't been good for decades. I'm like, you had some good years. They just say, oh, Bernie Kosar was our last. Bernie Kosar was a flash in the pan. Right, okay? that's your, that's, that's your, yeah, that's your sign that your franchise is in bad shape. It, when it, you it stinks. Look back with nostalgia at, Bo at Bernie Kosar. As the glory <laughs> days, or we were one, we were once great franchise in the Double AFL when there were ten teams. Uh, yeah, sure, maybe you were, but since the merger, since the Super Bowl era, it, you've been a joke, and it, it's been for the two reasons that I've mentioned. And the state of that franchise is, is such where now you, you got Mike Holmgren, you went out to get him because the owner doesn't want to have anything to do with the team. He, uh, so Mike Holmgren is basically owner emeritus. But still, you got to look and wonder, what does he do? He doesn't handle the draft, really. He doesn't coach. And so, I don't know, I feel like asking the office space question with the Bobs, with that guy who's good with customers, uh, Tom. He has people skills. He has people skills. Well, what is it, it, what is it you would say it is you do here, Mike? Uh, you, you don't do the drafting. You don't coach. So your job was to basically hire a general manager and hire a head coach, which quite frankly, was super underwhelming. You kept the, the head coach, who you knew was a dud, who you knew was incompatible, Eric Mangini. And uh, we said, well, it's unfair to judge a coach by the first year. I'm not in the fair business. 
You're not in the fair business, okay? You're not here to sell me a coney dog. You're not here to run the Ferris wheel. You're not going to judge my cattle. You're not going to paint me an airbrush t-shirt that says Brit and Cletus forever. All right, we're not in the fair business. We're you're in the turning this franchise around business, and sometimes it's going to mean something is a little bit unfair. So he says, "Well, we probably made a mistake by letting Mangini go, and I need a mulligan, or by keeping him." You mean? Or you know, by say yeah, by keeping him rather. Sorry. Heck, he might be better than Pat Shermer. <laughs> I think he is better. That's the sad thing is. Then you come in and you say, well, now we're going to, now he's going to do what he was brought on board to do. This is basically his um, career regime defining moment in hiring a head coach. And he says to the media, I'm going to come in and we're going to do an extensive search. And you come up with Pat Shermer? <laughs> well, he, uh, you know, I think the reason you would hire Mike Holmgren is because you're not going to get a top-level guy in Cleveland otherwise. And you would think it's his. You know, I don't agree with that. He's got to be, I, I, I'm saying somebody that you know is, uh, he's going to be the guy who can attract that person. Uh, someone who's proven to a bad situation. Well, okay. Um, and he didn't do that, obviously. He went with the unknowns. Right. Now, the unknowns can work, but I don't know. I, I, I really tried to believe that um, Pat Shermer uh, had a chance because it was like, why would they hire him? He wasn't even successful as an offensive coordinator. No. And it, but, he, so I believed that it would succeed, but I, man, you know, we watch, we watch about all those games just being here in Columbus. That's what we get on TV here. And I, I hardly saw anything. I mean, I saw things, actually, from Eric Mangini last year, and I was on down on him as anybody. And you, at times, they almost looked like an NFL team, and it was back to the Romeo days uh, this season. Well, at least in the in Mangini year, uh, or years, uh, you beat quality teams. You beat. You went on the road to New Orleans and defeated. You spanked. The defending Super Bowl champs, you hosted the Patriots and you spanked them. You you knocked Tom Brady around. And no one's yearning for the Mangini days. Well, of course not. (laughs) And he's not coaching now for a very good reason is because everybody knows he's not a qualified guy now. So, but you, I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with Pat Shermer, why he was hired system and familiarity. He want, Mike Holmgren is a system guy. He wants his philosophy implemented on the field. That is a West Coast offense, so he wants West Coast offense coaches. And the problem with these guys is that you're looking for a system to be implemented more than you are the talent. Can this guy coach? Does he have this look in his eye where he is basically uh, one step away from being a cold-blood psychopathic killer? You think of Mike McCarthy. Did you watch that last Packers-Bears game by any chance over yeah. Christmas break? Do you remember late in the game? The, the game is done. The game is finished. Okay? And the Bears were driving, I think, and they made some big play. And, and the play was questionable. And all of a sudden, Mike McCarthy throws out the challenge flag. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? You're challenging this. Why let him have it? 
you know, you're winning, you're going to win, you're kicking your rear, let him have it, and he wins. I'm just like, that to me was a little bit bullish, but at the same time, that's the kind of personality that it takes to be a successful head coach in that league. You gotta have that hunger, that, that drive. It's just something about you as a person that goes beyond just the X's and O's that makes you a successful coach. And I'm not, I'm very positive that you look in the eyes of Pat Shermer, uh, who I call affectionately referred to as Screech, and tell that, you know, he just looks like a spineless worm. And he has no discipline over his players. You had the Cribs mouthing off over Twitter. You had the Peyton Hillis fiasco. You had the Evan Moore fiasco. You had the quarterback fiasco, the concussion gate. Uh, and that guy just does not just does not have it. And so it's a joke. And right now they've, they've driven themselves into such a hole that they can't fire him if they wanted to. It's, I th- it's I think not it's, getting better anytime soon. Well, I think it's sink or swim, and and unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, it's going to be to be sink with with this head coach. Now they're looking at an offensive coordinator, they say, but what's that? You said you were looking for an offensive coordinator last year, um, but you said, well, but Pat Shermer is going to be calling the plays. So, but we're looking for an offensive coordinator. Well, that's what an offensive coordinator does, isn't it? I mean, you don't want to let a rookie head coach call plays it rarely works out and what happened this year i mean a guy who just looked completely lost and i said look right first time head coach if you want to let me ask you you're uh you're an offensive coach and just hypothetically speaking and i say you know what i'd like to hire you as my offensive coordinator and and what's the first thing you're going to ask me can I call the plays? I say no. My rookie head coach is going to be doing I would just it. Just assume I am. But 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 you're but you're my offensive coordinator. I mean, I mean, you're basically giving suggestions on a game plan at that point. Well, you're basically a coffee bitch at that point, aren't you? I mean, you're a glorified intern. And I said at the time, no self-respecting coach is going to agree to that job. And then Mike Holmgren says to Pat Shermer, "Well, if you can't find somebody." that you think is qualified, then just call the plays yourself. Well, guess what happened? Everybody laughed at them and slammed the door in their face and said, if I can't call plays, I'm out of here. I have more self-respect than that. I want to go somewhere where I can stretch my legs and and, and get a promotion in uh, duty as well as title. I, uh, I agree with you about kind of the attitude thing, and, and a certain, not an attitude, but a certain, you know, uh, something you have to have a, a, as that head coach, and uh, although I have been thinking that you don't want somebody who's faking that either, because I tell you what, Todd no. Haley and I think even Jim Schwartz, man, I just huh. would not want to play for those guys. They just, I mean, and Todd Haley's never going to be an NFL head coach again, but they just yell and scream and. Ugh, they're just like babies, or they're like the best ones. Don't yell and scream. Yeah, and 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 it's not, and and there can be a place for it, but they're ugh. It's got to be who you are as a person. It's either there or it's not. It's not a skill that you can learn. I I just would imagine that that those guys as players don't have so much respect for them. Actually, I remember Larry Foot, longtime Steeler, and then. Uh, you know, he was being basically replaced by uh, Lawrence Timmons, so he went, he's, he's from Detroit, so he signed as a free agent up there, um, 
And in training camp, I was reading interviews with him, and he was saying, uh, it's a lot different here than in Pittsburgh. And it was an, kind of an odd thing, but he said, I've never heard the F word so many times in my life. Which is kind of a funny thing, because I'm sure as a football player, you've, he had had to have coaches that you know, drop some F-bombs. Sure. But I guess I started wondering even then, like, you know, it's not, I, I bet it's not even that. I bet it's not even the words, but it's the way that he's going about his business that that Larry Foote is noticing is different. Um, and they, I think they won, like, two games or something that year. And uh, it was like Schwartz's first year. And... Um, Larry Foote was back with the Steelers the next year because he uh, had seen what what that kind of situation could look like. You had like. enough of that. Well, you know, so there again, they're looking for a coordinator, and they keep on using the term coordinator, and I'm just like, quit using the word coordinator. I don't know what that means with you anymore. Is the guy calling plays? That's that's what they're looking for, and I think that is a is the second most important step for that organization to figure out, apart from the quarterback, which. Robert Griffin, the the third is there. Uh, they're drafting number four overall. Uh, it's a it's not even debatable. If I think Griffin could very well be an upgrade over anything that the Browns have had. Colt, Colt McCoy's done. If he's I, done, but but the the thing is, they're not going to do that. They'll say, "Well, it's a quarterback competition." You know, whoever they get, whether it's Robert Griffin the third or Peyton Manning. Well, not Peyton Manning, but they'll say, "Well, it's a uh, Colts in a competition." This year, you know what I'm saying? Why? It's really Why would like, they do that? Right, like it's over. He's already proven he can't, he can't do it. But now, that's if, exactly if you draft a guy in the first round, and a lot of people think that they're going to have to trade up to the number two spot with St. Louis to outbid the Washington Redskins, who need a quarterback. Oh, I think so. These quarterbacks just keep moving up and up and up in the draft every year. I mean, it's gotten to the point now. Look at what happened last year: four quarterbacks taken in the first round. You got Blaine Gabbert. Taken in the first round, Jake Locker, Christian Ponder. I mean, it's ridiculous now. So I think it's it's got to be because Aaron Rodgers dropped to twenty fourth or whatever overall, and it's like now they're all like, oh crap. They're just coveted. <laughs> Quarterbacks are so coveted, and now with the state Why of college football, the way it is, you're not getting pro style quarterbacks coming out of college now. You're not. They're all coming from these zone read or um, Oklahoma four or five wide receiver sets that get rid of the ball quickly. They don't go through progressions. They don't learn how to buy time in the pocket or to move around or to check down. They don't, they don't have these skills. They don't know how to drop back from center. They don't have any footwork. So uh, it's even more difficult to, to tell. And so when there is a quarterback that could very well be a guy – you almost kind of have to over-gamble these days because they're so important. They're so coveted. They can transform your franchise for 10 years if you nail it. And so, and particularly now with the new CBA, with the, paying a fraction of what right. you used to pay quarterbacks. Right, and so that's only that's going to keep moving it's it It's going to keep moving it up. So the Browns are probably going to have to be aggressive to get RG3. And... Uh, well, stop with the quarterback competition. Stop it with the let's bring in a veteran to groom him and all that crap. I can't stand that kind of talk. Can't stand it. I also can't stand the stupid Browns fans that are saying we don't need a quarterback. 
Are you kidding me? You've needed a quarterback for almost 60 years. <laughs> I don't know what people. I mean, I, and I, I that's enough. That's he's Cole McCoy is another guy I wanted to believe in this year, but I, I did too. I didn't. I have my doubts. I don't understand why people even see when they talk about flashes. Well, Mike Holmgren was asked about him uh, in his uh, end of the season press conference last week, and you know the first thing he said he listed as what uh, pretty much the only thing that he listed when he said what he liked about Colt McCoy. He's got great intangibles. <laughs> Basically, uh, you're the ugly chick with a great personality. He's got a nice accent. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. thanks for playing. You're finished. And I have no problem with that. And do they need receivers? Yes. Do they need a right tackle? Absolutely. Do they need running backs? Without a doubt. Okay, they need other pieces in place. They need a whole new team. Throw it, throw it at the dartboard and see what position it lands on. And the Cleveland Browns need it offensively. Um, but make no mistake, the quarterback will transform the team. And so many of these fans are crying out, Colt deserves to be the starter. We don't need a quarterback. We need this. We need. There's still guys that are saying, we need more defense. Defense, defense, defense. I figured it out, I think. I have a theory, and I'll run it by you, and I'll run it by our, our listeners. I think that the Cleveland Browns fans have given up on their team. They have thrown in the towel. They have conceded that they will never win a Super Bowl, that they will never be a perennial contender they will never get a franchise quarterback, their version of Tom Brady or Drew Brees or Peyton Manning. Because this is a this is a franchise that just kind of says now, um, well, we've taken first round qu- quarterbacks in the first round so many times. Oh, you've done it twice. Okay? Right. You've done it twice. And you've given up. Well, look where it got us. We got Tim Couch. We got Brady Quinn. So that doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it does. You just gotta be, you, you you gotta hang in there. You, you just because you whiffed in the past doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it in the future. So so you've given up in trying to make that gamble. It's always going to be a gamble, and so you just want to get whoever warm body that's in there. And uh, I, mean, I don't even know what it is that you want, but you don't want a quarterback. I don't understand it. It's uh, it's not even debatable that you need a quarterback to succeed in the league. I don't know. Maybe they should just move somewhere else. Worked last time. Well, yeah, worked pretty well. And, <laughs> and it's the same thing with the head coach. You know, well, we don't want to fire the head coach no matter how bad he stinks because we want some we want some continuity. It's you know how can you win when you keep on firing head coaches and all this firing is killing our franchise? No, it's not. The firing is not hurting your franchise. Your hiring is what's hurting your franchise. You keep hiring unqualified dopes. You keep hiring Romeo Cornells and Eric Mangini's and Pat Shermer's and whoever else that, that I'm missing. You know, <laughs> your hiring process is laughable. Butch Davis? Well, and I wasn't even following the league at that point, so I don't even know what the heck happened that year, but he was obviously bad. Chris Palmer was another one. None of these guys, I mean, everybody. Nobody Bill worked. Bill Belichick. No, nobody worked. Well, they, that's one that they use and say, well, you shouldn't fire him. What if he turns out to be Belichick? Look what happened to him. 
Belichick had to go back to his mentor. Belichick came to the had a moment of humility and said, "I'm not ready yet." Yeah. Well, plus they just shut the team down and moved it to Baltimore. So. So, but he went that back to be a coordinator right. under Parcells, and it worked out wonderfully for him. So I th- I think they've given up. I think that they're 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 so immersed in a culture of losing now that um, I, I I really doubt that they'll ever see um, any kind of uh, relative success on a consistent basis. And uh, so, yeah, that that that's what I think about that. Well, it's yeah. sad. It's just a sad state. They're not getting better anytime soon. And Mike Holmgren said himself, he's like, you know, well, what'd you think? They were asking him about his his expectations for this past season. And he said, well, I was I was shooting for five hundred. <laughs> really? You told us that. Hey, he would have been, you know, given the key to the city. I don't <laughs> care. You know, you don't say. Maybe you were thinking that, and that's fine. You can think that, but. You come in, you tell your players, I expect greatness right now. You were laughed at at the beginning of the season when you predicted that the Browns would go to the playoffs this year. I laughed at you. Right. Rightfully so. Well, but <laughs> I will I will also give you props because there were so many winnable games for that team. Right, that's true. So I mean, many winnable games. should have looked at the schedule and thought they could do better than. I mean, you could have at least gone nine and seven. You you could have been the one to go nine and seven and back into the playoffs, not right. the Bengals. Right. So, you know, have some higher standards to to tell your team, to tell your fans, to tell the media. That guy's just doing nothing right. He has done a miserable job, and now the now that's why it's not getting better anytime soon. Well, and, and now the 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 Cleveland media has finally realized, oh hey, you know what? He wasn't really such a good guy in the front office with Seattle. No shit. Yeah, he's I mean, just stealing money. I mean, how <laughs> did you not? I mean, I I remember that information being made available before that before the Browns hired him. I said it before. Don't hire this guy. He wasn't good. As a as a suit and tie guy, behind a desk, he's good as a coach. If you want to hire him as a coach, hire him as a coach. I would have been all about that. But you hired him at a to execute responsibilities that he stunk at before. So why are you shocked now? All right, enough. Anyway, the that's uh, that's that. <laughs> we talked about the Steelers. We talked about the Browns, Bengals. I don't know if we even have time to hit nah. that, but you know, Bengals. You know, they had a good year. Uh, I'm not sold on Andy Dalton. I'll, I want to go on the record right now and say that. Not sold on him. Um, you, know, you know what? I kind of agree with you. Uh, every time somebody talks about him who's impressed, they're like, well, he's he's so smart. He just knows when to just throw, when to just throw the ball away. And it's like, that's true. He throws the ball away a lot. I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess I kind of feel like he's figured out that if he does that, people will think he's like, really advanced and he just does it constantly i i have you, you haven't seen a lot now i i like aj green a lot i i like I mean, his talent that's not, that's not a bit i don't like that know. skinny body um you i don't, think he's injury i think i think he is marked for injuries I, I just don't i love his ability he's fun to watch he's got a lot of talent but that body is not long for the nfl i'm sorry he will get dinged up and he did get dinged up this year and I fully expect him to get dinged up in the future. Uh, I, I, I I hope I'm wrong. I don't wish any ill on the guy. Um, I would like to see the Bengals do well, but I, I just logic and facts tell me otherwise. 
Um, well, so. Mike, the Mike Brown plus Marvin Lewis marriage, you know, it has a ceiling, and they've hit that ceiling three times now. Yeah. And they'll continue to get there every couple of years. Well, and again, are you satisfied with that? Is that what you are? Is that where your standards are? Do you want to risk losing, having a winning season once every three years? You know, you go to the playoffs, you're a first-round exit. Is that the highest level of competition? No, but you could do worse. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the fans aren't going to go to the games regardless. And so... Uh, what do you do? I mean, I, I would fire those replay booth guys that the Bengals have for blowing two challenges in, <laughs> in the first half. My God, they're well, probably like part-time interns or something. What? Like well, why. they're they're <laughs> they've been let go. I, they should be anyway because that was embarrassing. Let's wrap up by just uh, taking a quick look at these matchups this week. I mean, we've talked about them a little, but we can make. Uh, some picks if we feel obliged. Uh, first one is uh, 4.30 Saturday, New Orleans, San Francisco. Um, like I already said earlier, I, I think that, uh, not that there's anything really you know bad about San Francisco, but I think uh, New Orleans will roll. I think they're the scariest team left. Um, I, I agree. Um... I just think New Orleans just just has too much firepower. They have an elite quarterback. They're balanced on offense. Defense obviously isn't there, but the special teams is good enough to. to I mean, I, yeah, I, I, offense wins championships now, and so I don't think uh, San Francisco, uh, no matter how clean they play on, on offense, I don't think they got the firepower to make it work. Uh, if Jim Harbaugh somehow pulls off this win, coach of the year, by the way, he's. You know he's immediately, you know, on that complete top tier um, of NFL coaches. Uh, second game Saturday is Denver at New England. Ha, ha. <laughs> um, at New England, boy. Uh, who I think knows? It'll be closer than last time. <laughs> well, it wasn't Denver dominating. New England in the first half of that football game. I don't know. Is that another one of those? I'm pretty sure that was a, that that's uh, very similar to the last Buffalo game that New England played. They had to come back from that one, and you, you were you're looking at that, and I knew I was looking at that as a fantasy Tom Brady owner in two of my three leagues, uh, two of the three leagues which I won by the way. Um, but that's neither <laughs> here nor there. But in watching that, yeah, that was a game that I was biting my nails a little bit and wondering whether or not Tom Brady was going to get any points for me while they come back to win that one uh, pretty convincingly. So um, I'm going to go with Brady and, and, and Belichick over uh, John Fox and Tim Tebow. I'm, I, I just think that Belichick will figure it out a way. Brady will figure it out a way. Brady in that first game was just so determined to – Tell America, I am the quarterback you should be talking about. I'm tired of hearing about Timmy Tebow and about how great he is. That's an insult to me. That's an insult to Tom Brady that you're talking about so highly of a crap quarterback. He wants to show what true quarterback greatness is. I, I really do. So I think he's going to want to do it again. I think he's kind of throwing up his arms and rolling his eyes a bit. And he's saying, I can't believe I got to do this again. Yeah. But um, I'm going to take I'm going to take the Pats. Sure. Yeah, and uh, Belichick with the extra week to prepare against uh, against inferior talent. Uh, I, I, I am. I definitely. You have to be impressed. Um, out of everything that's happened with the Broncos, 
of John Fox and his coaching staff. Oh, the done way a hell of a job. Change every week. They adjust. They, you know, the opponents figured out. They adjust again. Uh, yeah, I mean, if when you talk about Mike Smith and the Falcons and not being able to play over their heads ever, right? And uh, that's that's definitely the contrast. And uh, you know, different coaches in, in different situations, and some sometimes it's just time for a change, like in Carolina, where uh, you just you know, got you just had the get message. Out of that. The message becomes you know dull after a while. Yeah, and if it wasn't for Jim Harbaugh being a, such a blatant coach of the year uh, recipient uh, candidate, it would be John Fox. Uh, it's so refreshing to see a head coach who is humble enough to wrap his system around the talent, that the talent dictates the system not the other way around. That's refreshing. So, John Fox, thank you so freaking much for being uh, you know, sane, I guess. Uh, the uh, first game on Sunday is uh, Houston at Baltimore. It's kind of the least interesting mm. as far as conventional wisdom sort of drama. It's not a stuff. sexy one, is right, it? It's exactly. not a sexy matchup. You know, neither are elite quarterbacks, TJ Yates, Joe Flacco, uh, I tell you what, let me go. Let me. I'll give you my pick here. I think it might surprise you that I'm going with the Texans. I, I I'll go the other way on that. Um, you know, I I believe a lot of thing, same things you believe about uh, Joe Flacco and such. But um, but they at home, I think they'll take care of that. I think you know, I love Terrell Suggs. Um, the, the running game is the one thing, I guess, that can uh, be Houston's uh, trump card. But, yeah, I'll stick with Baltimore. Uh, you got Andre Johnson back healthy. You got some good supporting players. Owen Daniels is there. Joel Dreesen, the other tight end. You got, you know, guys that aren't flashy, but they get the job done. Kevin Walters, okay. Arian Foster is just the best back in the league. There's no, not even a, a debate about it, in my opinion, both in running and catching the football. Ben Tate is also a guy in there that you can bring in. He's a power horse, too. Um, Did you see Arian Foster's Texans? Um, that was pretty badass. The, in his hair. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Usually I roll my eyes at that stuff, but that was so well done. That was like, that is right on. Um, but, no, I, I, and I like the Texans, too, because defensively, I, I just have a feeling that they're going to do what the San Diego Chargers did a few weeks back and finally find the invisible man, Ray Rice. The one guy that if you got to stop on that offense, that's you got to stop. I don't care if it's 4th and 20, the pass is going to Ray Rice, okay? Someone <laughs> please get your rear end out to the flat and cover that guy. I'm so sick and tired of seeing these little dump-offs and screens and there's not a defender for 10 to 15 yards around them. You're you're finished if you let that happen. For the love of God, please figure it out, Wade Phillips. And I think you will. So that's why I'm taking, uh, and I have no faith in Joe Flacco. So I, I, I like that Houston D. You uh, present a pre I, uh, uh, good case there, but you know, I think John Harbaugh coaches him up pretty good in the playoffs. Uh, he's actually won a playoff game all three years, uh, beat New England. A couple of years ago, too. Um, Fantastic coach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, what else have we got? The late game uh, Sunday, Giants at Green Bay. Oh, oh, I'll be watching that one. Uh, yeah, I'm rooting <laughs> for Green Bay. Um, 
That's an exciting. I can't I don't watch know. that game. My, my, actually, my heart says I want to root for New York because I do like New York. I do like them as the underdog. I think they got a lot of pieces that are very fun to watch, and I love them from an X's and O's standpoint. They're balanced on offense. They can run. They can pass. They have a defense. They have a pass rush. There's a lot of things to love about the Giants. But I don't want to face them as a Saints fan. Uh, they worry me more. So I'm going for Green. I'm I'm pulling for Green Bay. I because th- uh, I I just think that they're going to be easier to beat. Yeah, and I think I I do think Green Bay over the course of the last few weeks is declining. But I th- I think they'll beat the Giants uh, in Lambeau. Oh, although not, it's not as if the Giants haven't beat Green Bay at Lambeau lately. Um, they did um, a couple of years ago when they won the Super Bowl. Yep. And, and very horrible weather conditions. Right, and the blue-faced Tom Coughlin. <laughs> ah. You really, I mean, you could have, I'm sure, taken a hammer and just shattered it. Um, man, I can't even imagine what the ratings on that Denver-New England game are going to be. It's in prime time. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be. Uh, they already said, what did they say that the last game was? Uh, uh, Highest-rated opening round uh, NFL game since the 80s when the majority of Americans didn't even have cable. So the well, majority of Americans had three stations. But they compared it to other things, other like airings, like the, I don't know, the Obama, uh, not the Obama, the Osama bin Laden oh. killing, <laughs> um, other, th- uh, I can't remember what else, but it, the numbers were just absolutely through the roof. It, it's insane. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, they said at the end of the game, by the end of the game, 43 million people were watching. Um which is quite high. I mean, that's, you know, practically one out of six Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is going to be even higher because it's Tom Brady and it uh, starts at 8 o'clock and everything like that. So, And it's West Coast and East Coast. So, Man, this is an exciting weekend of uh, football. you got to love the division round. It's, a, it's enthralling uh, television. It's a fantastic product uh, that any football fan needs to devote themselves to catching as much as they can this coming weekend. It's it's fantastic. I I, I love the NFL. I love it more than college. Speaking of which, Joe, by the way, I am not watching the game. I'm keeping with my promise and my resolution to not watch this football game, but I have the game cast on my iPhone right now. Would you like to guess what the score is halfway through the first quarter? Halfway through the first quarter? Zero, zero? Uh, you are correct, sir. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you what the total yards of offense are for each side, but ever since ESPN redid their mobile app, uh, it's I, I haven't been able to find how to pull that up. So, um, Well, now that you've mentioned that on our podcast, I'm sure they'll get around to it. Well, right, but uh, <laughs> hey, you know, yep, yeah, uh, that that's a that's a great product there. Nothing, nothing. What a game! Oh my, what we're missing. Anyway, well, I'm hope, done. Hopefully, we'll uh, um, have one at least one one or two more podcasts here. We can preview uh, another playoff round. Uh, last year, we were able to preview the Super Bowl. Um, don't remember what our picks were there, but uh, I picked Green Bay. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening to uh, Joe and Fresh Talk Football. We'll talk to you next time.